whether it's your fault, uh, let's be honest, it's never our fault, is it? It's always somebody else's fault. But whether it's all your fault, partly your fault, not your fault at all, doesn't really matter when it comes to the fact that we've still got to have a fresh start. What are the things that we can do to make sure that it's different? And so uh, we've, been, we've been discussing this for the past few questions and the, thing, uh, the past few weeks. And, and the problem is that we often learn from the things that mean the least, right? As far as like taking certain, certain routes, directions, you know, man, I'll never do that again. The, the games that we play, uh, we learn from our mistakes in that area. Cooking, you know, uh, uh, we burnt the souffle, whatever it was. We always learn from those mistakes. But in the areas of our life that are the most important, we don't seem to learn. We don't seem to learn. In the areas of finance and relationship and parenting and leadership and romance, we find ourselves repeating the same mistakes. How does that happen? And we always ask the question, when will I learn? When will I learn? Well, that is a good question, and we're not really sure what the answer is. Um, But oftentimes, what we have to learn is that maybe it's best for us not to jump right back in, but to step back and take a moment. First week, we talked about the experience myth. Experience makes me wiser. No, experience makes you older, okay? Evaluated experience makes you wiser. The know better myth. Well, because I know better, I'll do better. No, Paul the Apostle says no to that very loudly. Paul, the most prolific writer in the New Testament, says, I know what I'm supposed to do, and so often I don't do it. And the things that I want to do, that I am supposed to do, I often go exactly the opposite direction. So if Paul the Apostle had that understanding, then I think it probably trickles down to us as well. The know better myth, just because we know better, doesn't mean we'll do better. And finally, the time myth. Time is running out. Well, all my friends, well, all our relatives, all my family, all these... No, time is your friend. Time is your friend. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. Last week, we looked at the life of Peter. John chapter 21, a story about Jesus and his disciples, actually his last interaction with them before he ascended to heaven, before he gathered them together and and left them on earth for that last earthly time. And this was the last gathering that they would have, the last meal that they would share together, and Jesus put it together, and it's a story for all the disciples, it's a story for us, but really it's a story for Peter. And I love that, that Jesus cared enough about the individual to give Peter a redo, a start over. He zeroes in on Peter, and he takes him all the way back to the beginning. And, and even though it was Peter who just days before had denied the Lord, angrily denied the Lord, cussing up a blue streak to make sure that people knew he was not a follower of Jesus. And just as Jesus had told him, he messed up. And he denies the Lord three times before dawn of the next morning. And yet Jesus gives him the chance to go all the way back to the beginning, to his calling, to his commitment to his confession, gives him a chance to three times affirm his love, just as three times he had denied him, and then he reminds him of his commission. And I believe that in John chapter 21, 
Jesus was giving Peter a starting over point. He was giving him a redo. Peter had the chance now to start back at the beginning and you know what? God does have a plan for me. God does have a purpose for me. And it would just be, even though it was days from the time that he denied Christ until this interaction with Jesus, it would be only days from this interaction with Jesus until Peter would be the one that would preach the gospel message that would launch the church. And thousands would accept Christ as their Savior on that day. And I believe that it all goes back to John chapter 21 and the starting over that Peter got to experience. He gets a redo. And what we learned is that starting over is not a place. Starting over is a person. And don't worry about how God deals with other people. Remember the last part of that episode is Peter turned around saying, well, what about him? Pointing at John. What about this guy? What are we going to do with him? And Jesus says, not worried about him. Will you follow me? And oftentimes our following Jesus is kind of up to how God deals with other people. And well, if my situation is just like theirs, or if, if I could be like them, man, if only I had what they have, then I would be able... No, Jesus says, what about you? Will you follow me? So, last week we kind of talked about a redo. Today we're going to talk about a rethink. A rethink, because when we redo, we rethink, and when we rethink, and when we allow ourselves to rethink over and over again, which we're going to talk about, then we're able to release those things which are in the past and move forward in our starting over with Jesus. When we look back at unhappy endings, okay, when we look back at decisions that we made, and over the course of time, might have been right away, might have been immediately after you made the decision, might have been a little while later, but you kind of come to the grips with, what was I thinking? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What was I thinking? Say it with me, ready? What was I thinking? All right, I'm going to have you preach on the message for me, all right? Here we go. Uh, he's an idiot. He's nuts. You're so close. Okay, we're going to try it again. She's a little cray-cray. What was I? Yeah, everybody warned me. If it's too good to be true, it's not true. There you go. If you join this program, you'll lose 39 pounds in 30 minutes. Yeah, 0% down, 30% guaranteed. Send us $2,000. Yeah, it's not addicting at all. What was I thinking? Yeah, we find ourselves asking that question. What was I thinking? And, and it's important for us to ask that question. The problem is we barely pause long enough to answer it. <laughs> Maybe you do. <laughs> Maybe you do, but we barely pause long enough to answer it before we jump right back into something else and turn around and go, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? And if we will pause, and if we stop to answer it, it might help us as far as starting over is concerned. And here's why it's important. Because if you think the way you used to think, you'll do 
what you used to do. If we're really going to start over, what was the point of John chapter 21 and the story of Peter that Jesus has with this interaction with him? Part of it is he's got to change Peter's way of thinking, right? I mean, remember that Peter went out and wept bitterly the night that he denied Christ. And then when it came time to go and see the empty grave, Peter ran to the grave. Now, John beat him. Why? Well, he's younger and better shape. But Peter ran to the grave. But Peter ran with a bit of apprehension, didn't he? Because he's kind of wondering, how is Jesus going to react to me? He knows exactly what's happened. He knows exactly what I've done. And, and I don't believe that Acts chapter 2, read it, it's Peter's message when he kicks off the church. I don't believe Acts chapter 2 happens without John chapter 21. And Jesus has to change Peter's attitude even in regards to himself, right? He's got to change his way of thinking. And if we think the way that we used to think, we're going to wind up doing what we've always done. And the reason this is so important is because even in the areas of life where it's not your fault, if we don't change our mindset, if we don't change our attitude, it often winds up repeating the same pattern. So, in a few minutes, at the end of this message actually, we're going to list just a few of the toxic thought patterns and assumptions that get us in trouble. But we do that, I want to take you to a passage of scripture from the Apostle Paul. And it's a passage that you're familiar with. It's a passage that we have used before. It's a passage that we have preached some before. But I want to look at it from a slightly different angle today. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And today, what we want to do is rethink our way to a better future. We want to rethink our way to a better future. And I know you might be saying, well, Billy, it doesn't a restart, doesn't a redo actually come after the rethink? Well, here's what we're going to look at today. The possibility that rethinking needs to be something that happens often. That rethinking needs to be something that happens often. And this passage of scripture tells us why it's important. This is a relevant statement from a guy who had a start over. Uh, Paul thought, thought that he was doing what God would have him to do by stamping out the church. And it was only an intervention by Jesus himself on the road to Damascus that turned Paul around. However, have you ever thought about what Paul would have had to deal with even as far as his mind was concerned? Paul is the guy who stood there holding the coats cheering on the people that stoned the first deacon, Stephen. It's in the Bible. Saul is the guy that, hey, hey, let me, let me hold that for you. Go ahead, pick up a rock. He's the guy that egged them on. He's the guy that would go and arrest Christians. And everywhere that he would go, 
Isn't it possible that he would run into people that said, you know what you did to my family? You know what you did to my brother? You know how brokenhearted my mom was after you came in? That was his life before Christ. So you can imagine how he had to deal with this even throughout his ministry. So listen to what he says, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We're not going to stay here long. I just want to throw you out some stuff that I think you can chew on, maybe some stuff you can even write down, and, and, and it might make a difference in the way that we live only because it'll change the way we think. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your, what's the next word? Mind. mind. You got to rethink. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The first thing he says here is offer your bodies. Now, what does that mean? That, that we're just kind of, you know, laying ourselves down on the altar of life, so to speak, to God? No. What he's talking about is your life. Offer your daily living. Is it not possible that sometimes we offer God um, maybe a part of our Sunday? We offer God maybe a few minutes. Maybe you have some, some time every day where you're reading God's word and, and praying, and so you offer God those few minutes. And what Paul is saying is offer God your bod. <laughs> okay? Offer God your life every day, your living experience. Offer that to him. Sacrifice that to him. Allow him to use you where you are. Part of starting over is starting where you're at. Part of starting over is starting where you're at. Don't oftentimes we think, man, if I could just, you know, if I could just get out of this situation, if I could just move away and start over. No, start where you're at. Starting over is starting where you're at. And, and Paul says, offer God your life and do it every day. He says, offer it as a sacrifice. Now, we look at sacrifice totally differently than the people would look at sacrifice when Paul wrote those words, right? When Paul writes this to the Roman church, to the Christians that are in Rome, they understand completely what he's talking about. Because whether they were good Jewish people who understood the offering of sacrifices in the temple, or even Romans that had been saved out of, that had become Christians because of the new church and because of Paul's testimony and that kind of thing, they understood sacrifice as far as actual sacrifice to God sacrificing an animal. Paul is saying, no, we're not going to sacrifice something that is dead. We're going to sacrifice something that is alive. And that's you. That's you. And then he says, do not conform 
to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. There, is, uh, there of course, are numerous um, versions of the Bible, right? I don't know what your favorite is to read. Um, for some of you, it may, it may be the, the King James. That's just maybe that's what you grew up on and that's what you memorized for dad. That was, that was his preferable uh, scripture to preach from. However, uh, as he got older, he really enjoyed reading the message, and that's a very contemporary version, and maybe you like that. For me, I personally like the, the New Living Translation, and oftentimes when I preach, I'm giving you that translation, but there is a translation called the Phillips Translation. It was one of the very first modern contemporary translations, and when I was a teenager, it was very popular. And in that version of the Bible, the Phillips translation, it says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the culture around you squeeze you into its mold. Paul says, don't conform. It's, it's cookie cutter conformity, okay? So, like, don't be this guy, <laughs> okay? There's your little gingerbread dude, right? Don't be this guy. Why? Cookie cutter. Whoop, 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 whoop. The world would just say, do this, everybody do this, everybody do this, everybody's the same. Think the way the world thinks, do the way the world does, behave the way the world behaves, and what's going to happen? You're going to just conform to the pattern of life. You're going to live like everybody else. You're going to be in debt like everybody else. You're going to be angry like everybody else. Was, we were talking to somebody last night, a member of our church, and they were talking about road rage that they had experienced like three times this past week. Everybody's just angry. <clears throat> what is that? That's conformity. That's conforming to the world. Paul says, nope, I'm not going to conform. I'm going to transform. Because truthfully, if you're going to be like the world, you're going to be unhappy like most of the people. Do not be formed according to a pattern or a mold. Don't allow yourself, okay? Don't be the cookie cutter. You'll end up like everybody else, but truthfully, you don't know how they're ending up because you can't see behind the scenes, and it's usually not as pretty as you think. So instead, we don't want to be conformed. We want to be transformed, okay? We, don't want, to, we want to be this guy, right? Be transformed. I don't know what your favorite transformer is. You can pick one, all right? I know there's one that's yellow and black, and there's another one that's red and white and blue, and that's a transformer. Don't be a conformer, okay? Let's not be cookie cutter. Let's be transformed, because transformed can make things happen. Transformed can do things. Transformers are powerful. Conformers, there's no intentionality. With transformers, there's intentional effort. 
So, you want to be a cookie cutter? You want to be a little gingerbread guy? Oh, no. Or do you want to be a transformer? Paul tells us how. How are we transformed? How do we become that guy? By the renewing of our mind. By the renewing of our mind. Renew. Another word for renew would be to restore, right? If you renew something, you are restoring it to its original condition. You're restoring. Some of you, maybe you like restoring furniture. My wife has now started, you know, looking, not looking through, but when we're driving by, you know, if people have something out in the trash that she thinks could be restored, all right, do you do that? Do you, some of you are laughing. You know what that's like. Oh, look at that chair. I mean, there are actually, I won't tell you which ones, but there are chairs in our great room that were found somewhere. Somebody didn't want them. You take them in, you restore them. I've got a, a fireplace in my office that Mark and his wife kind of restored. Made it fresh, made it so it looked like new, right? You go to the car wash and you get your car wash to sometimes maybe you'll have them do the inside. You want it restored. I actually had a, a little problem with, with my vehicle a few weeks ago. Um, I was driving home, and it was actually on a Sunday, uh, driving home, and all of a sudden, I, I realized that there was water, because it was raining, hard to believe, it was raining, and it was raining hard, and there was water pouring through my back window. And I'm like, what in the world? So, uh, you know, I was about ready to lose my mind, and Lori's like, maybe you should check online. Sure enough, there had been a problem, and there had been a recall that somehow I hadn't gotten wind of, and I had to take my car in, and so they had to replace, they replaced the backlight, and then they had to replace the whole roof liner. Well, I don't know what they do with new stuff, what they put on it or whatever, but you know that smell when you have a new car? I got it back. I got the smell back. It didn't last as long, but for a little while, I had the new car smell. I was like, oh, I got to get this thing washed and get it cleaned. You want it restored. You want it, and, and trust me, I have other people do that now, okay? I, I am not, I am not, you know, I told you last week, right? My answer to most things is crazy glue, okay? If we can fix it with crazy glue, and that rarely works. I always get more crazy glue on my fingers, and I'm like, how do I pull my fingers apart than I do on the material? And uh, something else broke this earlier this week, and I, I asked a, a gentleman, he, he'd come over and saw it, and he was like, I said, you know, you think I could get gorilla? No, 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 please don't. And uh, my answer to that is, well, same thing with cars. I, I just, you know, I, I love a clean car, and I can wash my car, I can clean my car, but as far as taking care of my car inside, 
engine components, that kind of thing, ain't happening. And even when it comes to like repair, not a good idea, okay? My second car was a uh, Ford Thunderbird. I think, I think I got a picture of it. Uh, this is what it looked like, okay? That, that was my second car, except where that, where that blue leather part is, the dark navy blue, it was gray, and I was so happy with that car, okay? My first car was a Ford Granada, all right? And it was white. I looked like an old person in Florida, and I'm, you know, 16. Um, and, uh, and, and so my second car, I bought it at a dealership. Oh, I was so excited. Not a real dealership, you know, it was a used car dealership, but still, uh, it was, you know, I was so excited to have it and, and everything. And, and so I loved taking care of that car, washing it, cleaning it, that kind of thing. Well, the the leather part, the, the roof part, it started like uh, peeling and, and just wasn't looking sharp and everything. So, <laughs> I went to, now, give me some credit here. I went to an auto parts store, okay? I didn't go to like Sears or something. I went to an auto parts store and I bought some spray paint. <laughs> and I spray I spray painted the leather part of the roof. And you want to know something? Gerardo, you're laughing. But for a couple hours, it looked really good. Really good. I mean, you know. But then as the days went on and the sun would shine on it and the rain would come to it and then the sun would shine again. Oh, my gosh. Before long, it looked so much worse. What's the problem? Well, I learned, first of all, that, okay, <laughs> I, I never should do that again. The other thing is, I just want to fix it up by spraying over it, right? Well, you can't do that. You can't do that. You've got to take off the old before you can put on the new. So, if we're going to rethink, if we're going to transform Sometimes we have to erase, we have to get rid of some of the old, and then we put on the new. If we're just spray painting a coat over it, it's not really going to help. You have to remove before you can renew. You have to remove before you can renew. How many of you have, any of you ever had like wallpaper in your house that, and then you got tired of it and you wanted to get rid of it? Oh my gosh. Like twice in my life, I've done that. And in my personal opinion, worst job in the world. Oh my gosh, I hate removing that. And it's like, you know, and so whenever, like at one time it was when I was living at home and my mom needed help removing, and then the next time, of course, you're married. And my wife wants, oh my gosh, that is painstaking. And, and what's the thing? The deal is, when you get done removing the old, okay, whether it's paint or wallpaper, if people come over, do they look at it and go, oh, that looks so much better? No, it looks atrocious, right? It looks worse. Sometimes when we have removed the old, it's worse. But what has it done? It has given us an opportunity then to repaint. It's given us the opportunity to put something new on there because we have replaced 
we're replacing the old. And we're not just going over it, okay? Like me, spray painting a leather roof, and for a few hours it looks nice. We're removing the old. Transformers understand the importance of removing that old way of thinking. Removing some of those attitudes. And it is a, it is at times, let's be honest. In fact, what does that take? Anybody want to take a guess as to what it takes to remove the old? It doesn't take just effort. It takes time, right? And what did we talk about a few weeks ago? Time is your friend. Time is your friend. Because it helps us get down to where we need to be so that God can put a fresh coat over our lives and give us a start over. A start over. So before we can renew, we have to remove the old. And if you just put paint, if you just spray paint over the mess, the problem is, it's just going to peel off. It's just going to peel off. And that's why so oftentimes people start off with good intentions starting over. It's just, we jump right back in. And we have good intentions. It's not enough. We've made promises to God. My guess is that all of us in this room have at one point or another made some kind of a promise to God. Some kind of a, you know, wink and a smile. Man, God, if you would just... And inevitably, we've messed that up. Promise doesn't stick. Looks good for a while. What's wrong? Renewal takes time. And all we were trying to do was spray paint over the top of it. This is why. This, this is why, for instance, you, you wouldn't have somebody who just accepted Christ as a personal savior jump right into leading a ministry type thing. Just give it some time, right? We give it some time. We've got to replace the old. If you, if you were coming, off, coming off of, of, of a divorce or coming off of a relationship and a month later you're jumping back in, oh man, no, because what's going on? You're spray painting. You're painting over instead of giving yourself time to heal, right? If you've had, you know, any kind of surgery, um, if you've been in the hospital for any extended time and they send you home, they send you home with instructions, right? And a lot of times those instructions are, take it easy, don't move this, don't move that, don't go anywhere. What's going on? You've got to give your body some time physically to heal, okay? Same thing emotionally. Sometimes we have to give ourselves an opportunity to heal. Some time to heal rather than jumping right back in. It goes beyond sincerity and commitment. Sincerity and commitment are awesome. But sincerity and commitment is not enough, right? 
I mean, I know that myself from every exercise program I've ever been a part of. <laughs> I was very sincere, very committed. It takes more than that. One of the things it takes is time. Time. So, sincerity, commitment, awesome, but sometimes we can just be painting over that. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, notice what he says here, then, then, what's he saying? After you've renewed your mind, then you will be able to test and approve. You'll be able to determine. You'll be able to discern. You'll be able to hear from the Spirit of God, not just on a Sunday, but when He speaks to you on Monday morning, when He shares with you on Wednesday afternoon, when He nudges you on Thursday evening, you will be able to test and approve, determine and discern what God's will, God's desire for your life is. And notice how Paul describes the will of God. Pleasing. Isn't that good to know? Perfect. Well, yeah, we would all say, well, of course it's God, so it's good. But it's more than that. It's pleasing. It's the best place for us to be. And those who know Christ, if there is a center of his will and we find ourselves outside of that, not taking time, just throwing a fresh coat of spray paint over, not allowing healing, not allowing renewal, we're going to know it. And it's going to affect the way we live. And it's why it's important. It's why, it's why I, I think it's one of the reasons why God gave us the church. He said, your presence in church is an encouragement to other people. This is why it's so awesome that he gave us his word. Because his word is something that we have, we have such access to it. Such access to God's word. I have so many copies of the Bible. And now I have copies on every device that I have. So much access. But am I allowing it to seep into my life? When it does, it causes renewal. When I'm in church, it causes renewal. When I have times of, of worship, even sometimes just driving down the road in my car, it allows for renewal. And culture is going to try to what? Squeeze us in, isn't it? And if we listen completely to the world, and that includes so much of everything, and you can't help it, okay? I'm not saying don't watch the news or anything like that, but... But man, when we get into that 24-7 and then from there, entertainment and from there, education and from there, and all of these other factors are coming in and feeding our mind and feeding our heart. And sometimes they're even good things. 
But if we're not allowing for renewal from God's perspective, we're just painting over the old. So, sincerity and commitment, it's not quite enough. Regret and resolve, it's not quite enough. I'm sorry I'll do better. Again, regret and resolve, not quite enough. Why? Because if you think the way you used to think, you'll wind up doing what you've always done. So we have to allow our minds to continually be renewed. It's not just a one-time thing. The process of renewal happens all the time. We are constantly renewing our minds. <clears throat> imagine, imagine how many times, just going back to last week for a second, imagine how many times Peter must have replayed that night in his mind before he had breakfast with Jesus. Imagine how many times he must have replayed, if only I'd have done this, if only I'd have, if I just wouldn't have gone to that fire, if I just wouldn't have made that comment, if I'd have just walked the other direction, he must have constantly been playing those games. And I think that's why Jesus had that interaction with him as an opportunity for him to renew his mind and affirm his commitment, his confession to Jesus. And then God gave him a commission. Now get out there, Peter, and serve me. And of course, Peter is the bedrock on which so much of the New Testament church is built. So, what were you thinking? If you think the way you used to think, you'll do what you always did. So, let me give you just a few assumptions. And maybe these don't permeate your thinking now. Maybe they have permeated your thinking. Maybe they could be something you use to help someone else in the process. But here's just a few things that we think that can throw us off track. We've got to rethink some of this stuff. Number one, if I can find the right person, everything will be all right. If I can find the right person, everything will be all right. No, if you become the right person, everything will be all right. And sometimes people use relationship as an escape strategy. And all that does is undermine every relationship that they're in. Because they just go from one to the other, to the other, to the other, never taking time to renew their mind, never taking time to change their way of thinking, never taking time to say, hey, you know what? What part of this is me? If you've gone to this person, 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 and they've all been idiots. What were you thinking? <laughs> what has to change? Those people or your way of thinking? Don't worry about finding the right person. 
become the right person. Different people don't necessarily guarantee different results. Number two, my situation is unique. Well, you, you know, Billy, I agree with everything you're saying, but my situation is unique. No, it's not. You're unique. You are unique. God created you uniquely. But your situation is not unique. And my guess is, if you went to a counselor, you'd get about halfway through your story, and they would be like, I've heard this before. Because oftentimes, we think our situation is unique. Well, if you would only understand my circumstances, no. Nope. No, 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 no. That's what we say to avoid good advice. And rarely are we the exception. Your unique situation isn't. Here's another thing that sometimes, a thought process that we got to change. It's not right, but it makes me happy. And God wants me to be happy. It's not right, but it makes me happy. And God wants me to be happy. Right? Wasn't there a song about like that? Looks so right, turned out to be so wrong. Yeah. Just because it looks right, just because it makes you happy, if it's not right, it's not going to turn out right. If it's not right, it's not going to turn out right. And, and here's the other thing, and this, this, this would be an interesting message. Not sure God wants you happy. He wants us joyful, but we're not always going to be happy. I mean, didn't Jesus even say that? <clears throat> In this world, you will have trouble. And, and you're not going to be happy. But Jesus said, take heart. I've overcome the trouble. Remember, starting over is not a destination. Starting over is a person. It's found in Jesus. And, and so we need to understand that just because it makes us happy doesn't necessarily mean it's God's direction. And then, and then the last one, and then we're gonna, we're, we'll stop with this one. But, and there's so many others. You, you could probably come up with your own Maybe even some that you've thought, some wrong thought processes that you've had. But, but this last one is, if only I had fill in the blank, I would be satisfied. If only I had, boom, I would 
be satisfied. If only I had their life, their kids, <laughs> their career, their home, their money. If only I had fill in the blank. And sometimes forget about there. It's just what we have around us. And, and the more we feed an appetite, what happens? The more that appetite grows. And the more you have, the more you want. Dumb way to look at it. How many people do you know that have one tattoo? <laughs> For now, right? <laughs> we got one. We're okay with that. And then it's like, I think I might get another one. I was driving by a place the other day. Tattoo place. I drive by it every day, actually, when I'm leaving the, my mighty warrior place. <laughs> it's right there in the corner. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll get a tattoo. <laughs> you know how long I thought that? About five seconds. To be honest, you know, tattoos are great for other people, okay? I am not interested in the pain at all. I just don't. But so often people are like, yeah, okay. And then, oh, I think I'll get another one. That's what keeps tattoo artists in business. Congratulations. We get one, we want another, right? Have you ever, 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 and maybe you are, maybe you are so self-controlled you can eat one McDonald's french fry. <laughs> you are one of the most controlled people on earth. Boy, if you have one, you know, it's like, oh, I need another. I need another. And, and that's just, that's kind of the way God created us. Because we have an appetite for something, and usually it just means we want more. God wants us to develop an appetite for Him, for His presence in our lives, for the difference that He can make. And, and trust me, I mean, you know, you could tell by looking at me, there's nothing wrong with appetites, right? I just, <clears throat> but we've got to be careful what we feed, and we've got to be careful what we think, because oftentimes we think, if I will just feed this appetite, I will be satisfied. And when we get there, or when we get that, oftentimes we immediately start looking at what's next. What's the next thing we can get? What's the next level up? And new, catch this now. We're going to stop with this. New won't change you. Renew will change you. New won't change you. But when we renew our minds, that changes us from the inside out. Rather than thinking somehow that if we had something on the outside, it would change the way we feel on the inside. Paul says, don't conform. Don't be cookie cutter don't conform 
to the image of the world. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. New doesn't make a new you. Renew changes you.